Hello everyone, welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Hope everyone is doing well this evening um, after a very exciting weekend of Bundesliga football. Uh, just goals everywhere um, and, and we had um, our champions crowned as you see me sporting their colours in the background of felt. If, any, if ever I have to show their shirt, it, it has to be this, this show and this weekend. And of course, Greutherford's relegation was confirmed at the weekend as well. So we've got loads to go through. Uh, really exciting featured for and, and an interesting um, talking point to go through as well. So hope you enjoy the show. Um, before we just go through the scores on the doors, um, we are indeed in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes, who provide mystery authentic German t-shirts uh, for you in uh, obviously in mystery boxes, hence the name. So go check them out on Twitter or indeed check them out on their website to uh, to get yourself a mystery top or two. And indeed, please do like, comment and subscribe. If you're watching on Twitter, just come over onto YouTube and say hello, uh, whether it's to say congratulations to Bayern or that you're sad that Greuther Furt has been relegated, whatever you want to say. And if you've got any questions, fire them in and we will answer them as a priority. Um, so over to you, Mark, to go through some uh, go through some scores, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what a weekend it was. It was a classic Bundesliga weekend, this one, that's for sure. Like, I think right from the very first um, match on Friday evening when Wolfsburg were 5-0 up at half-time against Mainz. So just an incredible... Well, an incredible performance from Wolfsburg, but incredibly, the you know, you'll, as you'll see later, they've not actually made our feature for. So, apologies in advance to Wolfsburg fans. Uh, I guess it was just that your game wasn't one of the more important ones on paper this weekend. But congratulations to Wolfsburg and Florian Kohlfeld, who we don't give too much credit to on this channel. Let's be honest. So, yeah, fair play to them. Yeah, Union as well, another team with a, a brilliant win. They got an excellent 2-1 win in Leipzig against the cup finalist Leipzig. That scoreline obviously reversed from Wednesday night's 2-1 win for Leipzig over Union, you know. Mm. So, yeah, obviously in that in this game, Leipzig took the lead in the other game. Union took the lead. So, yeah, yeah. quite an interesting couple of games then. A two-all draw between Europa League uh, experts Frankfurt and faltering Hoffenheim. An entertaining two-all draw there. And then a three-all draw between Freiburg and Gladbach. FC Köln continue their brilliant season with a 3-1 win over very, very close to the drop now. Bielefeld. Furt, as Rory said, confirmed their relegation with a 4-1 home defeat against Champions League chasing Leverkusen. Bayern on the Saturday evening kickoff won the Classic 3-1 over Dortmund, crowning their 10th straight Bundesliga title, which we'll talk a lot more about later on. Then moving on to Sunday, it was all about the bottom half, wasn't it, on Sunday? Augsburg securing a massive 2-0 win in Bochum, more or less guaranteeing their survival for another season under Marcus Weinzel. And then, Rory, I think you want to forget about this one, but Hertha Berlin getting a 2-0 win at home, to Stuttgart to go four points clear now of Stuttgart. It's not looking good for that bottom two at the moment, is it? That's for sure. So, yeah, that was the scores on the doors for week 31. Another brilliant week. Obviously, every week that goes by at this stage, you're getting more and more drama, more and more like big matches on you. And this weekend was just absolutely stacked with huge matches, that was for sure. 
So, yeah, let's go to OTB's featured form. And we could have picked six games or even seven maybe in this weekend, to be honest, quite easily. But obviously, you know, time being time, we had to just uh, cut it down to four. So, yeah, let's start off with uh, game number four. And it was that one uh, in Nordrhein Westfalen between FC Köln and uh, second bottom Arminia Bielefeld. I mean, what a game this was, really. I mean, it was super entertaining. Obviously, going into the game, we knew that Köln were seventh place, chasing Europa League, maybe even with a very, very outside chance of Champions League as well. You don't want to completely rule that out, you know. Mm-hmm. But obviously, on the, the flip side, you've got uh, Bielefeld, who are really, really struggling. And they have been for months now, really, for most of the second half of the season, let's be honest. And they're right down in a second bottom but yeah, as, as for the game, it started in the worst possible way, really, for the away side. You know, they had a good crowd as well, a good away following uh, Bielefeld for this game, tucked in behind the goal. But it only took less than three minutes for Mark Boot, that man who's been absolutely brilliant in recent weeks. A bit of lax defending, really, from the away side. Found a little bit of space in the, in the box and side-footed comfortably past uh, Ortega in the Bielefeld net. Then, yeah, it was just more and more attack, really, wasn't it, for Köln? They, they were really, really up for this game. You know, obviously, they realised it was a great opportunity to get the three points. And, yeah, I mean, Lubacic was really, really unlucky. to. He's been brilliant as well in recent weeks. Dejan Lubacic, absolutely brilliant. The, the wide forward on the right side for Köln. He curled an effort. I think Ortega had come right out of the net. And he kind of robbed him of the ball and he curled an effort. He looked in all the way, didn't it? And he kind of just went wide. They, they would have been a little bit gutted about that one because I think it deserved a goal, really. It was a great effort from the uh, the Köln forward. But then, yeah, kind of against the run of play a little bit, really, wasn't it? I mean, it was absolutely dreadful defending from uh, Killian, the centre-half for Köln. He got robbed on the edge of the box, didn't he? And then he just kind of ran into the net, uh, Vimmer, played in a ball, basically, where, which was, you know, there were three uh, there were three men from Bielefeld just waiting to tap it in, but it was that man, um, Timo Hubers, who, let's be honest, it wasn't the worst stone goal you're ever going to score this one. He just kind of got his feet mixed up, but it was one of them. What could he really do? Do you know what I mean? Because if he didn't get in the way, it would have been tapped home by one of the... Probably Yanni Serra actually would have got a rare goal there, but obviously it wasn't to be him. But anyway, that was one all. Looking a little bit better, probably against the run of play, but Vimmer was uh, causing problems, wasn't he? He was um, really causing a lot of problems for the uh, with free kicks uh, from the wide. few good saves as well, forced by Schweber. But yeah, just before halftime, just as it looks so they're going to go in level, it wasn't to be, was it? It was that man, Anthony Modest, you know, with his 17th league goal of the season. Not his prettiest one for sure, this one. It took a massive deflection off the Bielefeld defender. I think it was um, Pieper. And it was... It was very unlucky, let's be honest. And or it kind of looped a little bit over Ortega, who, when I first saw it, I thought, could he have done a little bit better with this one? Because it wasn't really traveling that fast. But, you know, it's one of them that if you're in the position of Ortega there, you're probably, it's probably not easy to save. It just kind of bundles in. I think uh, Modest did another of his classic celebrations, really, didn't he? he? Ended up pulling something from the back of the goal and, like, showing it off to the fans. You know, he's an absolute character, Modest. He really kind of sums up that club at the moment, the way it's going. Real character. Just loves playing football, doesn't he? So it was 2-1 at half time for FC Köln. Then, Rory, in the second half, I would say, 
pretty much more of the same, really, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, obviously, Colin had uh, a, a lot of good moments in the first half, and they were, you know, chasing this this potential European uh, place, whatever they want it to be. But the second half was was um, you know, well, I not end to end, but Bielefeld did have a chance. As I think the um, the American player that they signed that we've seen little bits of, George Bello had a really good chance, which he he fired over and um, far from kind of a bit of pinball in the area. Um, Mark Hoot had a good chance as well. Um, and then the centre-back for Bielefeld, Ramos, um, made you know a good header from a free kick, which he flicked on. Again, good save from Schwaber. Um, he, oh, he's really come to show why he is in, in there instead of uh, obviously the... Um, veteran keeper uh, Timo Horn, um, and then I think he made a really good save from Borak Ints. Um, I think uh, he was a substitute that came on for Bielefeld. I think he was basically through through on goal, and Schwaber managed to save that as well. And then late on, uh, after kind of weathering the storm a little bit, Con were able to break break with Modest, and he he set up Tieleman, um, Jan Tieleman to make it three one and, and finish the game. So yeah, really important victory for. European chasing uh, Cole. I don't know what you call it, Champions League chasing or just any form of Europe. Um, so they'll be really pleased with that. They, uh, you know, they've got great belief. They're timing their run really well. Um, so I, I think they've got a, a brilliant chance of at least getting European football. Champions League, you'd probably imagine, is a bit too much. But, the, you know, the way they're playing, um, I know one of their running games is against Stuttgart. So... <laughs> That'll probably be a win. Um, and, uh, yeah, Bielefeld, you know, they're in great trouble. First first game under the, the new interim manager since Frank Kramer was removed. Um, they, obviously, they show glimpses, but, again, ultimately, it's that final third that's uh, that has punished them. Um, you know, they could have got a few goals and maybe, you know, made it a bit more uh, tricky for Colm, but... Yeah, another loss. Um, they're still what they're two points behind Stuttgart in in the relegation playoff place. I think at, at the moment they can only aim as high as sixteenth and, and and hope that they get through a playoff match um, right now because otherwise it, it's looking pretty tricky for them. Uh, obviously, next weekend's game against Hertha is ginormous uh, for them um, and still for Hertha. Uh, so that'd be really interesting to see if they can get anything from that, but. Yeah, uh, another loss with, with with games and time running out is you'd be really worried as a Bielefeld fan, and I know they are so um, kind of sought after in England because we often get comments about Bielefeld and, and wanting them to stay up. So if you are watching, you know I, I'm not trying to bring too much gloom and doom. If you're a Bielefeld supporter or sympathiser, but right now they look in there all sorts of pollen. Yeah, obviously it was the first game without Frank Kramer as well, who was sacked in midweek. Again, I'm not convinced by the timing of that firing at all, to be honest with you. You know, because I mean, Kramer obviously they massively underperformed for a while now, but at the end of the day, to sack him with only three, with only four games to go, and just after a defeat against Bayern, mm. you know, I mean, maybe they could have done that three or four games ago and given someone else a chance to kind of similar to what Cologne did last year. Actually, I mean, they sacked their manager Gizdol with about seven, eight games to go. And obviously they did get a kick from the interim manager at the time. It wasn't that bound guard, obviously, but it, they did get that kick and it was just enough to get them over the line. I think they ended up 
finishing 16th on the last day, didn't they? They, they yeah. just overtook Verde. That's kind of what Armenia need to do right now, to be honest. They need to somehow yeah. get over Stuttgart and get into 16th, then try and like find their way through a playoff, you know? And mm-hmm. obviously the stats are on the side of it. it does come to a playoff and the stats are on their side because I think only since you introduced the playoff, I think, you know, like 15 years ago, only two fighter teams have actually won that. Uh, that two or three, yeah. Yeah, it's not many. That's the last one was Union Berlin actually four years ago. They beat Stuttgart, ironically. Yeah. yeah, it's um, but in general, it's usually the Bundesliga team who comes good in the end. There, but obviously, I think as uh, Matt said on this fighter podcast, he said a lot of uh, teams will be hoping to play Armenia in that playoff. So because obviously they're probably the smallest club, they're much smaller than Hertha or Stuttgart. That's for sure. You know. It's a smaller ground to go to. It'll probably feel more like playing against a fighter team in some ways, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the yeah. infrastructure of the club. You know, if they play against Hertha, it would be like, you know, 74,000 or Stuttgart 60,000 fans, which is obviously a lot bigger than what they used to in most fighter teams. But yeah, as for Köln, as you say, only five points of a Champions League place with three games to go. And all of the last games are winnable, actually. Like they go to Augsburg next, then they host. Wolfsburg in the last home game of the season and then they finish with that massive I can imagine that's going to be a massive encounter away at Stuttgart on the last day that's for sure but I mean who's to say they can't win all three and if they do then I would imagine that definitely get them at least a Europa League spot which would be I mean to be honest if they finish seventh it's been a miraculous season because this is a side that were abject for long periods of last season you know and weren't really fancied to finish anywhere above 13th 14th this season to be honest so congratulations to them we've given Baumgart a lot of credit over this season he deserves every single bit of praise we've given him and continue to give him that's for sure so moving on obviously not such a nice game to talk about this one really especially if you're a Greuter Furt fan because it was to be they lasted 31 games as a competitive side but this was to be the end of Greuther Furt as a, as a top Bundesliga team. We knew it's been coming, let's be honest, from the first two or three weeks, you know what I mean? But let's be honest, give them credit. They managed to get 17 points, which is more than what Schalke did last season, by the way. Schalke got 16 points. They comfortably beat the record low of points by obviously Tasmania Berlin of 10 points, which I yeah. think early in the season we kind of, didn't expect would would happen actually earlier on in the season but it's um they managed to do that comfortably and actually this game you know they knew they had to win to have a chance of staying up and it started really really well didn't it that man former Newcastle man Jetro Williams actually uh, uh after a bit of ricochet in the area he could like calmly side-footed into the back of the net really didn't he but then it was um, it was pretty much calamity cuts, really, wasn't it, for the next two goals, let's be honest. I mean, this was this is the reason why Furt have ultimately finished rock bottom and why they are going down. Because, I mean, just a few minutes after that, that was after uh, just five minutes, and then after eight minutes, awful defending from the corner. It kind of ricochets off the Furt man, like a, a few men, let's be honest. And at first, it looks like Patrick Schick is way offside, doesn't it? You think yeah. there's no way that can be onside, but obviously, then you realise it does come off the foot, man. And it, it's not going to be Schick's prettiest goal by any means, is it? He kind of like back heels into the back of the net. He thinks he's offside. I'm pretty sure of that. 
And like, you know, it obviously goes to VAR, it's given, and that just about sums up Greuterford's season in many ways, doesn't it? And then as did the next goal as well, let's be honest. I mean, this was this is going back to like the first five weeks of the season, Greuterford, wasn't it, this one? And it's, um, yeah, again, it's the goalkeeper is on the ball and he's just like dilly-dallying around. I don't know what he's doing, to be honest with you. He just needs to get rid of the ball. Linda, who in fairness to him, has done really well, actually. I think yeah, he has. Five or six clean sheets, actually, since he came in in January, which is a really good effort for a side that were hemorrhaging goals literally left, right and centre, weren't they? But this was his first big, big error, I would say, this one. He he just lets himself get robbed by Asmoon, who actually, one of his first starts for the side after signing from Zenit St. Petersburg, uh, just tapped into an empty net. He's got his first mm-hmm. goal for Leverkusen and, you know, he'll hope to build on from there. But then Rory just kind of didn't really get much better for Furt after that, did it? Let's be honest. No, they obviously they. I think they uh, they needed to win just to stay up, didn't they? That weekend, um, other weekend, and yeah, obviously ch- chasing a game, you know, Mission Impossible type thing. Anyway, wasn't it really? But it didn't get much better. Um, I think they uh, Leverkusen had a goal disallowed. I think Paulinho had mm. one um, where he tapped in, but the RB was offside in the build-up, so that was obviously just a bit of a warning. The Leverkusen did still mean business and that they were going to create chances of their own, let alone Furt's helping them out. Um, and then Paulinho did get his goal after a really nice um, bit of play from Asmoon, clips his ball, uh, the ball into the area for Paulinho to get on to the end of. Uh, he kind of shanks his first effort and then gets a bit of luck to then uh, tap home with his other foot, making that 3-1. And then, yeah, the fourth game, uh, fourth goal came from uh, another substitute, Palacios, um, who good finish actually from about 20 yards out, um, smashed it into the bottom left corner. Uh, so, yeah, 4 1. Um, and, and therefore, yeah, condemning Kreuzerfurt to uh, an immediate relegation from, from the Bundesliga. Um, I think there was quite a lot of raw emotion on the pitch uh, immediately afterwards. Um, you know, having got themselves into this position and not really been able to have the fans in for what half the season or more, and uh, you know, like really struggling the first part of the season, to then making a really valiant effort of things in the second half of the season. I think it's fair to say, uh, you know, getting those draws and things like that. That was kind of reminiscent of what you know Bielefeld did last season, but they kind of left it a little bit too late and. When we previewed the season to start with, we said, oh, Balkan will probably, you know, mirror a bit what uh, Bielefeld had done, be really tight and really organised and Groyfer look like they're seeing that, get forward a lot and are exciting to watch, but they also concede a lot of goals. They did in the spite of Bundesliga last season and they've conceded just too many in the Bundesliga this season. Um, so that's ultimately been their downfall. Uh, they've not got a lot of players who are probably Bundesliga level, um, but some of stood out obviously the captain Hogwarts has done really well um but yeah so obviously disappointing to see any team get relegated uh it's a shame for Roy to first but you know they they probably be back uh before we know it we shall see um important win for Leverkusen uh important that they scored quite quickly after the early setback I think because they're probably not hugely high on confidence right now but also they know because of the RB Leipzig result that they're now back up into third. They'll be feeling good about themselves and they'll want to finish the season nice and strongly. Good for Asmund to get involved. Uh, obviously, Patrick Schick 
getting goals as well now back from injury and you know they, they can start to build um you know for a, a good end to the season and, and hopefully a, an exciting season uh going ahead into next year yeah, it definitely seems as though Bayer are kind of struggling over the line a little bit into that top four, doesn't it? But this was a good weekend for them, obviously, with uh, Freiburg dropping points. I think that this should be the weekend that kind of guarantees them that top four spot. But I think since Verts got injured, obviously, and obviously Schick missed three or four games as well, they've not quite looked the same side that we saw. Like, you know, I think they've had two periods this season where they've just looked electric, haven't they? Like, they were just mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. But we do know that they're a streaky side, Leverkusen, you know. But I still think if Sione can get them into that top four, it's a case of like goal accomplished, basically. Yeah. You know, they, they've not been in the Champions League for the last three seasons, and that's where they wanted to get to. And I think it's a big effort because, you know, there's a, a lot of good teams in the Bundesliga and the likes of, you know, some of the smaller teams have massively done themselves credit this season. You know, as we mentioned, Freiburg, Union, Cologne have just been absolutely brilliant. And, you know, we know the quality that Leipzig have and the quality that Dortmund obviously buy. And they're pretty much guaranteed top three nowadays, really, in Germany. So it's mostly fighting for one place, really, aren't you now? And obviously, if Leverkusen can get that, it's a really, really good achievement. But I just think going forward, they need to bulk up the squad a little bit. That's the key for them, you know, because it's... Uh, and I think Asmoon is a good way of doing that because he played in the position that Virts usually plays in in this game and he had a, a good match. I'm surprised we've not seen as much of him, actually, because I know he was he was a player that scored goals in the Champions League quite a few times for, for Zenit. So, yeah, I know he is a good player, that's for sure. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see a bit more of him between now and the end of the season. Yeah. So, obviously, yeah, that's an interesting one. But as for third, yeah, I mean, I think for them, it's mostly about keeping Stefan Leipel, the coach, because he is a very good coach, that's for sure. And he's mm-hmm. proven that this season, turning a side that just looked absolutely abject into a side that could compete at this level the second half of the season, that's for sure. I think, you know, if they can keep the likes of Jamie Labeling, uh, her goal to, as you say, Julian Green, who got a little bit better as the season went on. And I think they can be in the top half, at least, of this fight next year. But I, I know a lot of fans of theirs, actually, and a few of them are worried that they could potentially lose some of the better players and also Lytle, and that they might even potentially get the double relegation, which is surprisingly common, actually, in, in German football. Because uh, I think it's happened like three or four times in the last 10 years that a team has gone straight oh. down from the Bundesliga down into the Dreiter Liga, actually, within two years. So, Furt fans are a little bit concerned about that. And I think they'd just be happy with the season of consolidation, really, next year, for me, that's sure. for sure. Okay, so, uh, yeah, over to Rory to introduce the word of the day. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's been a while since we've done one of these, so we thought uh, we'd try and reintroduce it. Um, so, yeah, just going through the, the Bundesliga glossary A to Z. So, we're just kind of... It, Introducing some some fresh terminology uh, terms for you uh, fans of the Bundesliga and um, obviously words that are associated uh, with the Bundesliga things that we hear basically on an everyday kind of basis things that you might hear commentators use uh, on depending on what channels of course you watch your games on so we're up to the letter I at the moment and the only one that is basically <laughs> that I can find anyway um is invert eager um which is a center back um so mark do you want to try and break this one down for us as well um does it again does it make sense grammatically in terms of german sense it's a really really hard word to say actually this one yeah like in and for tidiger yeah it's uh 
Yeah, yeah. The word for Tidiger means defender, basically, and then Innen means like middle. So it kind of means middle defender, basically. So again, as with most German words, it kind of, uh, yeah, it makes logical sense, basically. But just obviously they use it slightly differently. But I guess if you called a centre-back a middle defender, people would understand it in English. Do you know what I mean? So that's what it means, basically. Yeah, it's um, obviously a a lot of good ones in the Bundesliga as well this season. Probably Schlotterbeck has been perhaps the best of the lot for me this year. Yeah, but I think it's um, yeah definitely a position that the German national team as well needs to work on a little bit, uh, obviously ahead of the World Cup. Who knows, we might see a couple of Bundesliga players in there come, uh, is it November, the World Cup this year? It is, yep. yeah. I'd love to see Nico Schlotterbeck in there. I think I'd support Germany in the World Cup if they uh, if they played him, that's for sure. <laughs> well, he's probably due a move soon, isn't he, by, by the rumours that we're seeing. Yeah. Um, so that, that may aid his cause uh, being in more of a popular or bigger team, so to speak. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, that's our word uh, for this week. So, yeah, we're moving through uh, as many as we can get through all the way down to Z um, to see, basically, to help uh, everyone's understanding of words that are used in the Bundesliga and something that you can share with your friends and your family as well. So that's this week's one's uh, done. So we can move on to uh, the rest of the countdown. Yeah, that's for sure. So yeah, the the top two games, we're going to pick a lot of games for this, but we decided to go for this goal fest, the three-all draw between uh, SC Freiburg and Borussia Mönchengladbach. I mean, this was just an insane... If there was ever a game that typified the Bundesliga, this was it, basically. You know, you had a full house in a Freiburg. Their fans have just been absolutely brilliant this season as well, since since the fans were allowed to come back. I mean, remember, this is just a small town, Freiburg, basically, in the middle of the Black Forest. And yeah, they regularly get like 45,000 in the ground. Do you know what I mean? It's just mad. We always talk about the... um, the crowds in the Bundesliga, but I think not no more is it typified than by Freiburg. Do you know what I mean? It's almost yeah. like Burnley getting forty five thousand every week. You know, it's it's kind of yeah. I mean, it's just uh, and the, the crowd are just so ferocious as well, aren't they? Like they really get behind. I know they're having a good season, so it's probably easier to support a team that are having such a good season. But credit to their fans, you know. And some of the crowds in general this weekend are just like flabbergasting. They really are, you know. It's like they're literally like I think the Bundesliga average is about fifteen thousand per game more than any other league or something mm-hmm. like that. It's just unbelievable numbers, you know. Like regularly, games are getting over fifty, sixty thousand fans. It's just absolutely massive. Massive crowds, really. And this was another one. Great following from Gladbach as well behind the goal, although their fans did hurl up a big banner criticising the players actually during this match, saying um, no spirit, no character, no desire or something. And yeah, they, they wanted to show their fans that they were absolutely not accepting that performance against Cologne last week, where they were obviously yeah. beaten in the Rhine Derby 3-1. They're not happy with what's happening there under Adi Hütter. You know, that there's rumours that they can't sack Adi Hutter because of the amount of money that he's on. But for me, I think they should give him a second season, to be honest, because we've seen that he is a very good manager. But clearly this season is really not worked out. But anyway, the game actually started really, really well for them here. Obviously, most people were back in Freiburg. I definitely had Freiburg down on my list uh, as a home banker, really, in this one. Yeah. 
But yeah, obviously they got a penalty in the first uh, min uh, first couple of minutes. Actually, the penalty was awarded. Yeah, and it was actually Gunter handball from Gunter. This is one of them that I think, on one hand, yes, it was a penalty because he was very clearly hit the ball at his hand. But it, at the same time, it was an, a natural position, in my opinion, because he kind of slid in, didn't he? And it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm never quite sure about these ones. It probably was a penalty by the rules, but could Gunter really have done that much about it? Probably not, in my opinion, really. But anyway, it was quite surprisingly given to Ben Tabaini the penalty. I don't know whether that was a decision because of some of uh, Gladbach's misfiring forwards. I don't know, really. It could have been a bit of a rebellious mood. But, he, I mean, it was rather kind of unorthodox penalty, really, wasn't it? It didn't really take much of a run-up, but he actually put it right in the bottom corner, well out of the reach of Flecken, and it was 1-0 to Gladbach inside three minutes. And it got even better as well. A really, really nice ball through to that man, Braille Mbolo, who has been really, really good recently. I think this was his fourth goal in the last six games. And he really, really like confidently like chipped it over uh, Flecken for 2-0 inside the first 15 minutes. And Freiburg was shell-shocked, basically. You know, we talked about this big crowd that were really rampant before the game. But, they, you know, the fans never stopped getting excited in, in this match. They were really, really behind the team. And it took probably until about half an hour for them to start creating chances. Once the chances came, they really, really did come in, like, very, very fast um, succession, basically. And they, to be honest, they should have been back in the game before half-time, in all honesty. They, they had a couple of chances, Um but obviously, they couldn't quite convert the chances in this game. Demirovic, who got a rare start, actually, in this match. Yeah, he missed a couple of chances, probably showing why he perhaps hasn't been playing as much as what one might imagine so far this season. He miskicked uh, from quite close to the net. Grifo was causing problems. Salai was causing problems. But somehow, Gladbach did manage to get in at 2-0 ahead at half-time, Rory. And then in the second half, it was just complete carnage, really, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, and like you say, it, just the perfect advertisement for Bundesliga football, uh, as pretty much every single game was this weekend. Um, so, yeah, Freiburg got themselves back into it thanks to a, to another penalty. So, Vincenzo Grifo very uh, ably put that one away. Uh, I think it was after Liner uh, was given... Was it also a handball or was it a foul? No, it was a foul, but I, I thought it was a bit of a soft one, that. To be yeah, honest. That, like, yeah. The corner was coming and he gave him the... He, he tripped her. I think it was her. Yeah. But for me, it was a very soft decision, that one, really. But Yeah, I wasn't sure about that one. But yeah, lifeline, ultimately. Uh, then, um, yeah, then Captain Fantastic Gunter uh, got in on the act. So he, he collides from, you know, from distance uh, with a really nice, precise low drive, uh, beating Sommer. Uh, I think it was Eggestein who set him up and then Eggestein Almost scored himself uh, not long afterwards. Um, so I think that was Gunter's first goal of the season as well. Been really, really solid as well um, for, for Freiburg this season. Uh, and then the full combat, uh, comeback was complete um, from a corner, Gunter's corner. So got an assist as well. Uh, this time, uh, the the rising line heart um, got in on the act with a good header, uh, you know, Precisely in the middle of the area, you know, just probably not challenged well enough. Um, heading it past Sommer from close range, so three two. That's with about ten minutes to go, and so obviously, like you said, I mean, the fans are already kind of, 
you know, go, going for it, or going for it already. And after that, it was like pandemonium inside the area, uh, inside the, inside the stadium. Um, you know, absolutely loving life. Results probably going their way at the time because they were winning. The Leipzig had just probably conceded as well um, to Union, and they're thinking this could be a really big, big moment in our season in terms of maybe getting Champions League football. But there, of course, was plenty of football still to be played, and. Um, yeah, and so another equaliser came for Gladbach right in the last minute, 93rd minute, I think it was, absolutely good. Um, it would be a good cross into the area. And Lars Stindl, who we've not really seen much of in terms of being on the goal-scoring sheets uh, this season, obviously he's ever, ever kind of green player that Gladbach always rely on. Um, and he got himself a, a good goal to make it 3-3 and kind of burst Freiburg's bubble. Um Probably have to say on both, uh, ironically, talking about Nico Schlosserbeck and being one of the better players, centre-halves in the league this season, I think for goals two and three, he's probably messed up. Um, second goal, he gets, you know, obviously, Mbolo gets past him. He chose good pace to get back up with Mbolo, but he's not strong enough um, to even put Mbolo off. And then the third goal, he gets caught underneath the cross and he, he either mistimes his jump or he doesn't quite get to there. Uh, obviously for Stindl to knock home, so maybe not um, Schlaubeck's greatest game. Um, you'd hate to think anything that's in his brain about maybe getting a transfer move is affecting his performances. I'm sure it's not, but, you know, it's the sort of thing that people throw out there, isn't it? So maybe I'm being stupid for saying it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, unfortunate result for Freiburg, but, you know, they're still... They're still in the mix. Obviously, um, they're having this amazing season anyway, like, you know, alongside a move um, of stadiums. You know, Christian Strike has got them playing, you know, really impressive football. Um, and at the end of the day, they're still only two points off fourth place. And with three games to go, anything is possible. Um, for Gladbach, I guess, you know, whether the banner achieved what you know what the fans wanted to achieve i don't know obviously they got off to a really good start but it was kind of like it given to them rather than earned um although they did create chances and they showed good character to keep going towards the end and get a, a subsequent equalizer um and get a point on the board um yeah a lot a lot of work for them still to do though um as you mentioned if they haven't got the money to get rid of Adi Hooter then obviously they, they've just got to stick with it. Um, try and get a system in place where they're playing more consistent football and not conceding as many goals. So many goals they concede, it's, it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, and they need a consistent team on the pitch. I feel for me that Gladbach is really hard to predict the team that they're going to put out. Um, and I often see different kind of shapes, whether that's based on injuries and other things or not, but yeah, I mean, the game itself was absolutely crazy. Um, I, I had Freiburg down as my home banker, but wasn't wasn't to be. Um, yeah, superb advert for the Bundesliga, really enjoyable. And uh, Freiburg still well in the mix and, and Gladbach are just kind of trudging towards the end of the season now. Yeah, I think you could obviously see at the end when they got that equaliser. Normally, you'd see the fans like in pandemonium, but I think Stindl almost was like apologetically going over to the fans, really. And I think, uh, despite the fact they got that equaliser, they realised that they, you know, got pretty lucky. Let's be honest, because that second half performance wasn't good enough really from Gladbach, was it? Despite the fact that Freiburg were very, very good. Let's be honest. Yeah, but that was yeah. their only shot at goal in the entire second half. 
that that last minute header, basically, yeah, as you yeah. say. But I think obviously another key moment in that was Salai. His header, which was cleared off, line back scored as well. They looked like they got a four-two. Salai kind of had a header, got over the the keeper, I think it was, yeah. But then it was well cleared off the line, I think, by Alvedi. And then they just about managed to like get the equaliser, obviously. But yeah, not a bad point for Gladbach. But the overall season has just not been good enough, has it? At the end of the day, a team with their quality, you know, shouldn't be down in eleventh and just about fighting to get a top half finish. And they've been lucky to get that. Let's be honest, you know, because as you say, they score goals, Gladbach. If you look at the number of goals, they got forty-five goals in thirty-one games, which is not a shabby return. But they've conceded fifty-eight. It's just appalling. It's almost two goals a game on average, you know. Uh, yeah. And that, they've actually considered 10 just to Freiburg because obviously famously they lost 7-0 at home to Freiburg in the uh, the preceding... I think it was like 6-0 at half-time or something ridiculous like that. So, and they lost 6-0 yeah, I mean, Yeah, they'll definitely be glad to see the back of uh, Freiburg, that's for sure. And especially Grifo, I think, has given them a lot of grief, pardon the pun. But uh, <laughs> that's two out of two in two weeks now, yeah. But it's, um, yeah, I definitely think that they'll be glad to see the back of Freiburg and they'll definitely be glad that they've got a probably slightly undeserved point, really, in this game. But, yeah, absolutely. Fair play to Freiburg, even if they missed the Champions League. It's been a famous season. Obviously, they've got a cup final to look forward to in a, a month or so as well. After the 3-1 win, they got a Fry uh, Hamburg as well. Very comfortable that night as well. So, yeah, we'll just have to see where the rest of the last five, uh, four games of the season can take them. Who knows? We might see them Champions League and Cup winners. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> so, let's move on to the game of the weekend. It had to be this game, didn't it? Let's be honest. It had to be the Classica. Perhaps not the biggest build, the Classica you're ever going to see, because we all knew that, like, regardless of if Dortmund managed to put in a performance here, that... You know, Bayern were going to win the league and that's indeed what they did. But I mean, it was another entertaining game. It always is, you know, only four goals seems like a low score in the Classica, really, doesn't it? But I mean, yeah. it was certainly not short of entertainment. Obviously, the first De Classica in front of a full stadium for a long, long time as well. I think it, uh, the last four have been played against either closed doors or against partially um closed uh, stadiums so yeah fantastic to see a full crowd which is what this game deserves you know a lot of celebrities in the crowd as well in Bayern obviously uh Alexander Zverev the tennis player was there the um Marcus Söder the leader of the Bavarian parliament was in the stadium as well so you know they had a really really uh, star-studded lineup for this uh De Classica that's for sure but yeah, as for the game itself, you know, obviously Haaland did start the game, uh, but obviously it didn't really work out. Possibly his last ever De Classica. Obviously he's played in five or six of them and he got a fair few goals in those as well, but yeah. wasn't to be in this particular game. To be honest, I thought Haaland was so, it wasn't at his best in this Classica, to be honest, and he hasn't been for quite a while, really, Haaland. And it does seem as though, you know, he... He's kind of thrown his toys out of the pram a little bit the second half of the season, if I'm being honest with you. His, his goal return has been much, much below what it normally has been for the other two years of his time at Dortmund, you know, where he's averaged almost a goal a game during that time. I think he's only got two or three goals in the second half of the season. So it's not been, you know, obviously he has had injuries in there as well, but... 
Yeah, as for the game, you know, it, it only took 15 minutes. It never takes long to break the deadlock in these games. It, it was a corner that was just not cleared. And it was actually a really, really well-hit volley by that man, Gnabry, wasn't it? Really, really well-hit from the edge of the area. Sent it, like, dipping into the back of the net past uh, the... It was actually hits in the net for yeah. Dortmund as well, which I think would have been giving Dortmund fans nightmares before the game. Let's be honest, after some of his performances last season... You know, they were missing the ever-reliable Colbell, who's had a really, really good season. It was unfortunate for him to miss this game because obviously he is one of the crowning glories of being a Borussia Dortmund player. But yeah, it was a very good effort. Nothing hits could do about it. It was just a few minutes after that, uh, Gnabry had another goal disallowed. It wasn't him that was offside. It was actually Kingsley Coman in the move, actually, uh, in the build-up to the goal. It was a it was half a leg offside, wasn't it? Let's just say that much. Yeah. It was a correct decision. But again, poor defend, nothing by Zagadou. He always seems to get rolled out, Zagadou, for these kind of games. But I can never understand why, to yeah. be honest. Because I remember the game against Leverkusen, he made two howlers. I think he was he played against Leipzig as well, and he was the same kind of standard. You know, I don't know why he always gets rolled out for these big games. But, you know, I guess, I guess we have to ask Marco Rosa about that. But yeah, obviously they did get the second goal before half time as well. And it was that man, wasn't it? It was Lewandowski. He always gets a goal against his former employers. I think I saw a statistic, it was like his 24th goal in 16 classicers against his former employers, which is just horrible, abnormal numbers, isn't it? Let's be honest. And he just seems to revel in scoring goals against a team that once obviously won two titles with Dortmund as well. So, I mean, obviously yeah. it's a club that's. Very much in his heart. He also got to the Champions League final with the club as well. So, you know, in his glittering Bundesliga career, that's for sure. Yeah. Then, obviously, yeah, obviously Dortmund, I thought they were very poor in the first half, to be honest with you. But they did improve in the second half, didn't they, Rory? They did, yeah. And, well, they were basically handed a lifeline, weren't they, by, um, by Joshua Kimmich, of all people, making a really rash tackle inside the area, taking out uh, Marco... Uh, Marco Royce, uh, I was about to say Marco yeah. Rosa there. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was aptly tucked away by Emery Chan. So obviously, nor, you know, Harlan nor Royce fancied it. Uh, I, you know, I know Chan takes some set pieces, but I thought that was maybe a bit odd. Um, either way around, he's a good striker of the boys, isn't he? Um, so yeah, made it 2 1. Um, then I think what there are a couple of obviously big points in, in this game, and obviously Dortmund got a lot of confidence from that. There was a really, really big and important tackle or block made by Luca Hernandez mm. um, inside the area where it looked like if the if the shot was going on target, it was probably going in. Um, I think that was from on um, Marco Royce. Um, I think uh, Marvin Hitz actually managed to stop Lewandowski uh, a couple more times with with a few decent saves. Uh, Harland, you know, got involved a bit more. Had a, uh, I think he had a deflected shot, which was tipped tipped wide by uh, Neuer. Um, and so uh, I think there was a really good chance for Royce as well, where Harland set him up, but it kind of hit Neuer's legs, and and Bayern managed to scramble it away. Um, and that was, you know, kind of the the most of what Dortmund could conjure up um, inside the Allianz. And as the game was kind of slowly drifting towards the inevitable win, um, Bayern made sure of it with another kind of not amazing bit of defending by Dortmund. The ball kind of ended up being a bit of a goldmouth scramble and Jamal Musiala was in the right place to kind of smash home from, from yeah, no distance, basically 3-1. And 
and that was the game. Um, so yeah, but Bayern are champions. Um, yeah, thoroughly well deserved. Congrats to Bayern. Um, ten in a row is quite astonishing and striking. Um, Nagelsmann's first trophy, of course. Um, so he'll be relieved probably more than anything else. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about Bayern in, in a moment because it is basically our talking point. Uh, in, in terms of Dortmund, yeah, disappointing first half particularly. I agree with that, uh, Mark. Um, Show, yeah, glimmers in the second half that you, you maybe kind of argue the point if if Kimmich doesn't make that tackle and it stays at 2-0 for a little bit longer, does does that comeback even happen? Um Harland, I agree, probably has played his last the Classica. Um, that's all very disappointing to see Harland move on if he does. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, Dortmund, they're pretty much secure for Champions League football for next year. They've been disappointing in the cup competitions and, and in Europe. That You know, that's all very much agreed. Marco Rosa will be there um, come next season. I can't imagine even if they lost the next three games, he would get sacked probably. Um, so... They need to build for next season. Obviously, they've already done the business of taking Nicolas Sula away from Bayern, which you know, obviously, a very interesting bit of business. So they're addressing the defensive area. They've got Cobell, uh, obviously, in net, which is a very solid signing. Lots of rumours about Nico Schlotterbeck going over to Dortmund, which would be a fantastic signing for them. What a partnership that could really be for for Dortmund in years to come. Um, so yeah, for me, it's all about targeting next season, but. They, you know, it's been a bit of an underwhelming season by Dortmund so far, I have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we mentioned a lot last week, didn't we, about potentially uh, Haaland moving on. But I don't think he could be the main loss. I, I do believe that there's reasons to be confident for going ahead for, Dor- for Dortmund, as you say, mainly because of that centre-half partnership. I, I don't think Schlotterbeck has been officially confirmed. I think he actually came out in the mid- midweek and said, no, it's not been officially done. Yeah. Maybe that's to do with the fact that, obviously, Freiburg has still got really a lot to play for between now and the end of the season. He doesn't. Uh, We've seen yeah. it in the past, haven't we? I think, obviously, Gertz famously sat out the Champions League final, didn't he, after declaring he was moving to Bayern. And yeah, I mean, that was probably something that haunts him for the rest of his career because I don't think he ever got the chance to play in another final. So, you know, I mean, obviously Schlotterbeck is a um, very, very good professional captain of the club, you know, and he's not going to want to kind of let that, any um, like rumours kind of get on top of the rest of the season for Freiburg. So, but I, I do think he'll join it. There's a lot of uh, noises and, I think even Bully News reported that he pretty much signed, didn't he? So, yeah, I, I always trust Runa and his boys. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I would imagine that will go ahead. Sula is obviously confirmed. He is a good sign and a very, very rare poach from Bayern as well because I know Bayern wanted to keep him as well. It wasn't yeah. a case of wasn't a case of him just, uh, you know, being thrown out of the back door. He, he, they wanted to keep him, obviously, as a backup centre-half, but still, I think it's... He's always been a good player at this level. And I think he had other suitors in the Premier League too. I think Newcastle, Tottenham were after him. So it's definitely a coup for Dortmund to take him. And, you know, a player with experience and having won titles could be a great sign and a move in the right direction for them ahead of next season. But obviously, we could see a very different Dortmund-looking team in the next Classica, that's for sure. As for Bayern, I would imagine it'll be pretty much the same side as it has been for the last four or five seasons, really, let's be honest. They don't make that many signings nowadays. But, yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. So, yeah, over to Rory to introduce our talking point of the week then. 
Yeah, indeed. So our Bundesliga box is talking point of the week. So obviously, uh, if you haven't seen any of them, it's just basically where we kind of cherry pick something that we think is in the news or is relevant to us or anything like kind of going on with regards to players or managers or teams. So this week, on the back of Bayern winning the 10th uh, Bundesliga title in a row, we're kind of discussing how can the Bundesliga stop Bayern's dominance? And obviously, you know, we're not kind of anti-Bayern, by the way. Like, you know, it's just kind of an interesting point to talk about uh, in the fact that they have won the league for the last 10 years. Um, and, you know, the, for, for the sake of the league and other things going forward, we need to see more of a competitive title race. I think obviously the two years that we've been doing this show, uh, we've been trying to cook up imagination about how we've got a title race at certain points in, in the season. And, and a lot of it is maybe I was kind of fluffing the pillow a little bit and, and trying to make it more entertaining than maybe it might seem. Um, but so that's kind of why we want to talk about it a little bit, I guess. So, Mark, I mean, before we kind of concentrate on Bayern, because I think there's going to be a really interesting summer coming up for Bayern based on a lot of rumours and chat about player contract renewals and et cetera, et cetera. But before we talk about that, let's talk about what the Bundesliga can do in terms. So we're talking about obviously the other teams, not about, you know, the overarching powers that be just stopping Bayern from winning. Um, so the obvious candidates are the likes of Dortmund, the likes of Leipzig and, and probably maybe Leverkusen thrown into the mix if they keep players. So I know we talked a little bit about it. So why, why don't you touch upon those teams and maybe something about the ambition maybe that, that you've kind of talked yeah. about a little bit with me before? Yeah, well, I think the, the the easy answer to that is just stop selling your damn players. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, yeah, they're basically yeah. I think like obviously there are other issues as well, but I think ultimately it does come down a little bit to ambition as well. Yeah, I do. I, in my opinion, Bayern are not this kind of team that are just absolutely like superhuman, never lose a game, beat everyone five nil. We've covered this league for two years now on, on this show. You know, we know that they can lose games, you know. They, they get last-minute winners sometimes. They get undeserved equalizers. You know, it's not like every single game they're just dominating. But the problem is, is that we have there's some very good teams in the Bundesliga, as we've seen in Europe. Eintracht Frankfurt knocking out uh, Betis and Barcelona, you know. Leipzig storming through against a good Atalanta. Like, we know these teams can play well on the day. But the problem is, is a it's a consistency which is largely due to teams starting slowly integrating new players into the system. In my opinion, yeah. you know, if you look at last season, Leipzig finished second. They were by a distance second best team in the Bundesliga. Okay, they give Bayern the coach Nagelsmann, the coaching staff, which are very highly rated amongst football. Pamecano, who's who was the best centre half in the league, Sabitzer, who was the best goal scoring midfielder in the league, mm -hmm. and this is literally the biggest uh, rival, basically. Yep. You know? And don't get me wrong, Leipzig have gone on to have a good second half of the season, but obviously a lot of those players that have gone on to be really good, the likes of Guardiola, centre half, you know, yep. Simacon, but they took half a season to blend in, which is normal for a team, you know. And yep. when they got going, they've been very good, and once again, they're both being linked with. Uh, bigger moves again this summer now after just six months of good performances but the thing is there comes a point when the Leipzig hierarchy you've just got to say look we want to win a league you know we're a yeah. serious club and we want to win the Bundesliga and we know we can we've got one of the best youth systems in Europe 
we time after time uh, churn out brilliant players that go on to be like superstars, international level. And now we've got to say, okay, let's say two, three years, let's just see how it goes. You know, let's try and keep our best players. We know there's not a money issue at Leipzig. Do you know what I mean? We know that. It's not about keeping the club alive. So why not just say, okay, this year, Nkunku, Lima, Gvardiol, Simakon, Silva, they're staying at Leipzig, you know, and that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to just see a bit of like toughness and say, hey, Bayern, hey, Premier League, hey, PFG, you're not having our players, you know, yep. it's that simple. What about you, Rory? Do you think that's a fair comment or do you think I'm being naive a little bit? Um, no, I do think you've been like, you're getting a lot of the kind of point there. I think obviously the, the problem is as well that a lot of these players are available to be bought on the cheap because mm. of these release clauses that are inserted into their contracts. Um, so maybe that's an issue in terms of when they signed a player, like maybe a lack of foresight, um, undervaluing a player. So if we look at Haaland again as a as a top level player example, Man City are likely to buy their um Haaland this this summer for what what is his release clause around 60 to 70 euros. Yes. Um, 70 million euros. 70 million euros around that sort of figure. In terms of the inflated market and obviously know that we've gone through COVID. So, you know, the money isn't as crazy as it maybe was, but Haaland is quite easily a hundred million euro player and more. If you base it off recent transfers, Neymar's, et cetera, et cetera, the silly money that's been going around on that. So that's a lot of money that, uh, that Dortmund are likely to miss out on because of the contracts uh, and the release clause. Um, Similar things with maybe Nico Schlotterbeck, Freiburger, like whispers of him going for around 18 to 20 million euros because I think he's got one year left on his contract. But still, that seems like a really small amount of money for probably the best German defender in the league. And he's at a good age profile. Um, So, again, so maybe that's something that uh, needs to be looked at. Again, I guess there is the the thing about, yeah, Leipzig financially are absolutely fine, you know, but none of the clubs are as rich as, as Bayern. And Bayern, of course, do have that pull. Um, so it is a tricky balance at the moment, it seems. Um, in regards to Bayern, they can't help being the best team, the most consistent team, the team with the most money. Like You're not just going to stop doing that. And they are this juggernaut that just keeps on grinding things out. Um, what's interesting to see is that Nagelsmann has obviously done a, a job in terms of winning the league, which is obviously a minimum requirement. Um, but the, there's lots of whistle. I know Muller, sounds, sounds like Muller and Neuer will probably sign contract extensions. That's fine. But there's lots of chat about Lewandowski and that can't be ignored. Um, sounds like Gnabry doesn't want to renew his contract, which is quite an interesting one. Um, obviously, they lost a lot of experience last season. Obviously, Boateng, you know, obviously his time was up. Martinez, um so, you know, there, there's lots of players that have, have moved on and and this Bayern team, you know, try, they try to throw in youngsters here and there. But again, like you say, they do gen, generally just cherry pick the better players um, from Leipzig or Dortmund or anyone else. So if they're not able to do that this summer and they lose a few players, it really, for me, opens up the title race so much more so next season. Um, so, yeah, it, it's not a very easy uh question to answer mark just to finish off this this point before we go on about this for hours upon hours um what what do you reckon Bayern you know will maybe look like next season do you expect them to be you know 
you'd expect the title race to be, a, you know, even easier for Bayern, or do you think you'll actually be a, a more genuine race? No, I, I'm I'm optimistic on this. Yeah, I do believe it will be a better race next year. Yeah, I think Bayern, as you say, a lot of the players and even the fans have not been like massively overwhelmed with uh, with Nagelsmann. It seems, you know, I think in a way it's a little bit harsh, but he's definitely not hit the levels of Hansi Flick. That's for sure. Because I mean, Hansi Flick was just like one of the great Bayern managers, really. You know, and they were upset to see him leave. Although it did seem as though obviously it was it was due to a clash with Sally Hamasic why he yeah. left in the first place. So I think that. That's the one thing that you have to get at with Bayern. They always do. They have a lot of like big egos in the boardroom and stuff, you know. And Bayern Munich is like very much a club like with a, a big ego club. Do you know what I mean? They know that the big boys in Germany and one of the big boys in Europe. And I think, you know, that could be they could self-implode one day with that, you know. But it, in my opinion, it simply comes down to the teams have got to keep the best players. And I, I do believe this Leipzig team is good enough to challenge the title next year. I do believe that. I don't think they're that much worse than Bayern Munich. I know some people will watch this and laugh, basically, you know, but I really don't. If you saw the game they played in the second half of the season, they lost 3-2, but they were the better side throughout. Do you know what I mean? And I mean, I know they lost this weekend, but that was mostly because they rested a lot of players. But if you look at Leipzig's form this second half, before this weekend, they'd won 11, drawn two and lost one in the second half of the season. That is title-winning form, you know? Yep. And I know that if they keep this team together with the quality that they have, they can challenge for the title. But the, the question comes over to the Leipzig hierarchy. Are you going to fight and keep the likes of Nkunku, of Lima, of, of Simakon, or are you just going to sell them again, you know? And for me, that is what it depends on, whether we'll have a title race next year. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? Like We could probably spend an entire episode <laughs> doing, doing this one, yeah. um, which, funnily enough, we'll probably start to do next season. Uh, but more of that in the months to come. Uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty much us for, for tonight's show. Um, hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, we certainly have. Uh, so we'll be back on Thursday as per with um with our uh obviously weekend preview as the games tick down uh, and we'll start to release a bit more information about our end of season shows as well so over to you mark to uh close up the show and of course remind everyone about our our little collab with uh, the spider bundesliga pod as well yeah, absolutely. So if you enjoyed what you saw today, check out at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Also, our main site, which is otvfootball.net, of course. Yeah. And yeah, obviously, remember to like, comment, sub subscribe below. Obviously, we have done a lot of interesting stuff the last week. As Rory said, we released this fight to podcast, which has already got a lot of views as well, which is great. But keep viewing that. It's always great to have Matt on and obviously Eva last year, last yeah. year as well. But it's always great to have them on because you can really kind of be looking ahead to next season and finding out you know which players are going to be in the Bundesliga which teams and you know we had a great time with Matt last week I think it was Easter Sunday we, we recorded actually and it was a great oh, yeah. great time that with Matt over in Australia so yeah check that out obviously check out obviously our Spanish football right as well what a massive coup that was for the channel yeah. you know I mean yeah, Revista de la Liga 2.0. Yeah, check it out on our guess, site. Yeah. We have Guillem Balaguer, Roberto Martinez on our channel. You know, I mean, it's just an incredible thing. Check it out, you know, literally. For you Spanish fans, you know, obviously you've got to check that out and watch it on replay. Two hours of Revista de la Liga goal, uh, 
like basically like mayhem really wasn't it it was uh i watched it i took the afternoon off work to watch it live so yeah it's <laughs> yeah you got to watch that it was great stuff but yeah obviously as for us on the bundesliga show we got a lot of stuff coming for you and the next show will be on thursday as the end of the season hots up so see you then guys <laughs>